Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of the Movie Multiverse Podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Chartier, joined as always by my co-host, Stephen Verville. How are you today, Stephen? Doing good, man. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. How are you doing today? Absolutely. I'm doing all right. You know, had a nice brunch with my dad this morning. And uh, yeah, happy Father's Day to uh, all the fathers out there. And uh, happy Father's Day to all the single moms doing uh, double duty. Yeah, exactly. Good good shout out. I didn't even think of that. Absolutely. Lots of uh, news to get into this week. Shall we jump right into it? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So this first one I have here, uh, we actually talked about this briefly last week, but uh, um, Exo Kitty renewed for a season two on Netflix. So I kind of felt this was uh, inevitable, but uh, obviously, uh, you know, didn't take too long after we made that comment. Yeah, no kidding. eh? Keeping up with the themes, I guess. (laughs) Exactly. And I know they had a a Netflix had a big uh, to dumb event uh, this past weekend. So uh, uh, probably wanted to bunch up a bunch of announcements at the same time to uh, gather interest in their live stream and all that. Yeah, so. for sure. Good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next one, another renewal, uh, Silo, uh, a new adventure, uh, or I think it might be more of a sci-fi show at Apple TV Plus. So that one's been renewed for a season two. Um, this nice. is one that I've been meaning to start. I just haven't had the time, um, but uh Yeah. I don't think you've heard of it, right? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, it, Apple TV is not one I use often. I'm just I'm not subscribed, so yeah, uh, kind of difficult. Fair enough. I I've been I've been actually meaning to jump into this one, and and now it's at a point where it's like I'll be able to binge the whole season essentially. <laughs> yeah, it makes um, sense. Exactly. So uh, I will I will get to this one at this at some point, and I'll probably have a review uh, to uh, to give uh, uh, when I finish it. So. Uh, I'll give you my thoughts after I finished it. Uh, next one, uh, the Penguin and Daredevil: Born Again have both paused production indefinitely until uh, the writer strike has ended. Um, so over the past few weeks, uh, this show has sporadically had to shut down uh, because of uh, uh, protesting and picketing, uh, essentially taking over the the lot in the studio they're filming on. So. Um, they've just, just decided at this point to shut it down and wait until the writer's strike is over. Probably for the best quality wise and, you know, satisfaction and also just out of general, general respect. I think it's probably for the best. No, for sure. And, and this is like, this was their goal, right? As they're picketing through these sets and all that stuff, they're trying to disrupt people who are still working at the same time. And in order to try to make a point and obviously try to, uh, put some pressure on these studios that are uh, still holding out at this point, which is uh, we're a month and a half in. It's no, I didn't it, unfortunately. No, unfortunately, exactly. Uh, next one, uh, Stephen Cable Jr. Uh, in talks to direct the next Transformers movie. Now, I'm sure that's something we'll get into more details later on today uh, after our review. But yeah, uh, uh, good news. I- I'm happy they're uh, showing him some respect. Absolutely. I thought, uh, you know, we'll, we'll dive deeper into our thoughts, but I, I quite Absolutely. enjoyed this one. So yeah, for sure. Uh, excited to see where they go with the next one. The rest is essentially a, a part of like the Disney Marvel, Disney, uh, Marvel, Star Wars. Exactly. Fox. Yeah. So lots of stuff to get into here. Oh, awesome. um, the, fir- <laughs> the, uh, the first one I have is uh, Scarlett Johansson confirms that uh, she is still producing a secret Marvel project. Now she, they had kind of announced this, I think, at the time of Black Widow releasing. Okay. Um, and, and no one really knows anything about this project. Uh, like, like it could be one that's already been announced, but like we don't really know. Like, yeah, we don't know what she, exactly. like what she's involved in. Yeah, I, I'm thinking maybe it's Black Widow related, just because that's you know putting two and two together. Yeah. But I don't think she's going to be playing the role ever again. Uh, so no. I think it's. Yeah, creative side of it for her so it could be anything it doesn't even need to be black widow i'm just you know the easy conclusion is it's probably a black widow spin-off of some sort for sure i could i could see her putting on the suit one more time for like a secret wars thing and then i would love ending it. it there and i think i feel i feel like that would be pretty cool and uh they would obviously pay her quite handsomely handsomely yes. for that so um but i i have a feeling like you said this is either like a black widow related project or it's a like a force type project yeah that's another option for sure I, I i didn't think of that one but yeah i agree uh we'll find out probably sooner than later because you know 
clearly if she's starting to talk about it more publicly, it's something that's going to be closer to uh, reaching our ears than uh, keeping secret. Absolutely. So sticking with uh, the Marvel, uh, we have a bunch of delays or shuffling of the uh, Marvel slate. Um, So Deadpool 3 has actually moved up from November to May 3rd, 2024. Uh, Captain America Brave New World uh, is now going to release on August 26th, 2024. Thunderbolts has been pushed back to December 20th, 2024. Blade, February 14th, 2025. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, Uh, yeah. Fantastic Four. Uh, May 2nd, 2025, and the uh, Avengers movies have been pushed back a full year. So Kang Dynasty, May 1st, 2026, and Secret Wars on May 7th, 2027. Uh, I don't think this is set in stone either. Like, I feel like this could move around, obviously, depending on the writer strike and uh, uh, depending on how things move along over the next few years. But, yeah. No, I agree. Uh, It's actually... I'm kind of happy because, you know, this is a mix of two things, right? For me, at least. Writer's strike affecting development. And also, I think it is Marvel themselves realizing that, you know, quantity over quality might not be the way to go. And maybe just taking their time a little bit more with some of these projects may enhance quality. But I do think it's more of the first one where, you know, the writer's strike has kind of delayed a few of these projects, has probably put them off schedule. So For sure. It's best to like hold them off. Uh, I do find Deadpool 3 being moved up interesting. I think that more so has to do with the fact that they've been filming for a little bit now. And it's probably easier to get that out sooner than later than other projects. Exactly. Might be like, like I'm just thinking too, like there might be less CGI than the actual uh, uh, <laughs> Brave New World, which is, yeah, interesting. I'm assuming is going to include some hulks. So CGI wise might, you know, make a look take a little bit longer because captain america 4 has actually been filming for longer than deadpool 3 um but uh but yeah so i just found that a little bit interesting that's an option but... for sure um yeah uh i'm happy though like like i don't mind delays i'm not like super impatient i'm actually a little surprised though like it's crazy the next avengers movie we're gonna get is in four or three years sorry like that's crazy to think about when you're when you really put it into perspective uh, it's almost three full years it's like you know, two years and 11 months, like that's a long wait for us. And uh, considering the last one we got was in 2019, that's a, f- a fair wait. No, for sure. And like had like this was inevitable and like everyone knew this was coming because for Kang Dynasty to make its original date, which was May of 2025, like they would have had to start filming in like early next year. And there was like no sign of any of that being planned or even the script being close to being finished. You know no. what I mean? So well, then I, I'm fairly certain they just re, re like hired somebody to do the script, right? So like, th- this thing has gone basically back to like almost like the drawing board. So yeah, th- I wouldn't even be shocked if this gets delayed even further than that, uh, depending on how they view the circumstances and how, you know, like you said earlier, how the long the writer strike stays. You know? No, for sure. So I'll I'll jump into the next one and then I want to ask you something. Yeah. Sure. Um. So the next one is uh the Sony Marvel dates. So Sony has added two uh Marvel dates. We'll say, um, November eighth, twenty twenty four, which was actually I think the date that uh Disney had for Deadpool, or or Blade, either one of the two, um, and uh, that one has been pegged as a uh kind of uncertain what it is okay Um, and the other untitled sony marvel has been pegged as a live action which is uh june 27th uh 2025 now considering there is a a july date missing from the marvel slate i think a lot of people are anticipating that this is spider-man 4 uh with tom holland um and i feel like that would make a lot of sense uh considering where the script is at uh, where Tom is at with his uh, like his schedule and all that stuff, I, I feel like that would make sense. What do you think? Uh, the 2025 one you're talking about? Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that would. It gives us a fair break. And uh, it's, the fact that it's, you know, untitled is interesting because in my head, I was like, oh, maybe it's Madam Web, but like that's a titled project. So it's uh, kind of, you know, difficult in that sense. But, you know, I think that makes sense. It gives us a little bit of a break between No Way Home and, and that film. And uh, Tom recently announced he's taking a year off of acting, but you know, I, I don't quite, you know, 
Yeah, he already he already he actually went back and confirmed that he's already eight months into that year off. Oh, there you go. I didn't even see that. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> well, I've been a year off acting. Uh, four more months. Yeah, four uh, months left. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like that would make a lot of sense given the slate, and like you said, it it, it lines up well with the actual Disney slate to make it make sense because there's a big gap there. So yeah, uh, exactly. And they well, all they always work together to they to, do to figure yeah. these things out. Yeah, that's that to me. That's uh, that's exciting. Uh, actually, at first, I thought that 2024 film was going to end up being just a delay for Beyond the Spider Verse. Like I kind of thought that's where they were going with it. <laughs> so but... I think I think it's it's a placeholder for possibly that or Venom three. I think both of those are for sure options uh, because Venom three is I think starting to get going there. So. It, it makes sense, like, oh, it kind of makes sense, yeah, that that would probably be that. So it's, yeah. like you said, it's it might be a placeholder, though, for Spider-Verse, because I do, set, that one is, like, screaming delay, so, you know, I wouldn't be shocked, but, you know, <laughs> otherwise, we'll see. I'm not, I'm looking forward to these, as long as they are, you know, Spider-Man related for me, yeah, that's, that's all that really matters. Exactly. Um, The other thing is, I just want to mention is, because there was, there was a comment going around that, uh, like Haley Steinfeld, she's like, "Oh yeah, I haven't filmed any lines or whatever." Yeah, that's for, that, for the move for Beyond the Spider Verse yet. But like, I I was thinking about this, and like, I don't know anything about animation and stuff like that, and like the way those movies are made. But like, I'm thinking like reading a script that takes a month. You know what I mean? Like that's a month's worth of time. If the animation yeah. is all done and everything, like I would assume quite like... conceivably, like they could, the movie could be wrapped up in freaking february no problem like she sits in a in a booth uh, for for august you know and and then it's done <laughs> oh i agree with you especially if they did it the opposite way of where it's all animated it's finished and she's just filling in the blanks or you know all the characters are filling in the blanks some yeah. people do the voices first to make the faces match a little bit better but okay i cannot imagine that in this scenario with next year as a release date and they haven't recorded yet could you imagine they got to do all of the fucking uh the animation on their faces in like eight months yeah no wouldn't... for sure <laughs> so, <laughs> so like know. i was just thinking out loud i was like i'm pretty sure like the the whole sitting in a booth thing is like actually might be the easiest part of it and obviously you, you're noting like they probably have to do some final touches on the facial expressions and um different like mouth movements and stuff like that to, to make sure it all lines up obviously but uh yeah. but uh yeah i don't i don't think march is completely off the table but like you know, if if yes. if we wait another six months and it's November, I'm I'm fine with that too. As long as it's next year, I'm fine. Like I I I'm not gonna be that guy though, where it's like, oh, if it's 2025, they fucked up. But you know, <laughs> I, I would rather not wait too long. But as long as it's any time next year, I'll be satisfied. For and sure. I, I I'd rather not rush them just because I'm being impatient too. So the the other thing I find kind of uh, a little bit off here, and it's the date for Blade. I just I'm just not sure a February date makes sense for a movie like Blade. At least not Valentine's Day. Yeah, like I, I like, like I don't know what you think, but like I'm like that that's that seems like more of an October November movie. I, I completely agree. Um, and there's no real like if we're not looking at like I don't know they might have announced other stuff, but there's no October November slate in that year that we see right here. So for me, it's why don't why not put it there instead? But you know. Mm. If they do it this way, they do it this way. I don't think it's a big deal. It's just I, I don't. I'm not looking at this film like yeah, like oh, perfect Valentine's Day date night movie, you know? <laughs> no, exactly. Um, I think that as you're saying there, I think they had no other dates for 2025, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they may have had like a. There was another like February and and November date in there somewhere. That was like untitled Marvel. So obviously the the movies that haven't been really announced but have been rumored right now um, are uh, well, Armor Wars would probably be the next in line. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. And then there's like Shang Chi two. There's Eternals two. There's uh, potentially a World War Hulk movie. Um, the other one that's getting there's a lot of rumors floating around recently too is a Young Avengers thing. Um, I like I don't know if that'd be Disney Plus or uh, uh, or a, an actual movie, but uh, I've seen a lot of rumors floating around about that lately as well. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll see if they announce anything uh, else at uh, Comic Con. Not that I'm expecting it, but uh, no, you know, especially if the writer strike is still happening. Like I doubt they would announce anything new at this point. There'll be a lot more limited at that point. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not too concerned. 
Yeah, exactly. All right, let's move on to the Star Wars uh, movie dates that they've kind of shuffled around here. Um, the first one I don't believe at all is happening. Um, it's uh, May 22nd, 2026. Um, the last time they tried to release a, a Star <laughs> Wars movie at so the same time as an Avengers movie, it, it was the first Star Wars movie to bomb in the history. And I don't think that movie would have bombed if it was released at a different time. Uh, it would have maybe not done amazing, but it would have done better than it did. So, yeah, this is probably a tentative thing. And they're probably going to realize, like, yeah, 21 days after, you know, the fifth Avengers movie is probably not the best idea. Exactly. Yeah. How did that work out for us last time? Oh, yeah. Um, and they also had Deadpool 2 at the time. Like, that was a terrible release window. I don't know what they were thinking. But, yeah. like, that month was... Well, it's kind of like this month, eh? Yeah. Like this, no, exactly. I was just about This to say month that. is overloaded with movies. Like, I, I had to make... Like, personally, I had to make... A choice and i'm not going to see the flash right away i might see it like in three weeks but like that if i had to cut one out i had to cut one out right and at the yeah. time people probably cut out solo because nobody was cutting out infinity war and you know deadpool 2 was was a sequel to one of the most uh fan hyped uh movies ever so you know it's difficult in that scenario so yeah you gotta no, watch I, the release dates i was going to see infinity war twice before i went to go see solo i, like... I did the same thing i saw solo too though to be fair because i'm a star wars buff but like yeah. you know I, I'm a fanboy, so you can't, I'm not the people they're accounting for. I was going to see it either way. So, yeah, you know, the general masses, though, is something you got to please when it comes to this. And yeah, it's going to it's gonna hurt them if they keep their current window of May 22nd, 2026 there. Depends on the movie, though, because uh, if it's the Ray movie, uh, I think that might do a little bit better. Yeah, but we'll see. Um, so I'm thinking these three movies, obviously the two other dates there, uh, I think the one you just mentioned, December 18th, 2026, and then the other one is December 17th, uh, 2027. Um, I have a feeling these three movies are uh, based off uh, like Hollywood Reporter and stuff like that. I have a feeling they're the Taika movie, uh, the Ray movie, and the oh. uh, James Mangold movie. Oh, Okay. And yeah, I Filoni's think, I think yeah. like uh, Dave Filoni's movie will be like a little bit later than any of these dates. Yeah, that's probably fair. That's yeah. basically what I was thinking. I actually had Filoni's over Mangold's, but no, now that you've said it out, yeah, it makes more sense because you'd be rushing uh, the Mando, Mando era more if you do exactly. it this way. So, no, that makes sense. Uh, out of those three, I, I'm except most excited for the Ray movie, though. So Me too. For me, uh, you know. It's going to be interesting to get three Star Wars movies in like a span of like a year and a half, though. Like that's yeah. that's that's going to be interesting if they keep to these dates. Like that's going to be odd. Yeah, that's why I don't think it's happening. Like, no, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if they delay them all a year, like yeah. 2026, 2027, 2028 kind of thing. You know what I mean? If yeah. that, if that. So we'll see on that one. Exactly. Um, and next, uh, some shuffling of the Avatar movie slate. Um, so uh, Avatar 3 has been pushed back a year to December 19th, uh, 2025. Um, I don't think this is shocking at all, considering they were talking about going back this summer to kind of do some pickup scenes and all that stuff. So it gives them an extra, gives them two years to, to kind of uh, clean everything up and uh, kind of finish the special effects off. Um, and Avatar 4 and Avatar 5 uh, will be coming out in December of 2029 and 2020 or 2031, sorry, uh, respectively. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if they filmed those two back to back, to be honest with you, like after Avatar 3 is done uh, and then kind of spend three to six years doing the special effects on them. I, For me, I wouldn't expect 4 and 5 to come out on those dates i i really don't think those are hard dates at all i think those are tentative dates i actually think though those will like they might not release all of them until like 2033 2034 like i i think there's going to be a lot of delays here especially if they haven't shot them yet that means there's going to be doing cg work for x amount of time uh, and i don't mind if they take their time but yeah th these dates are really not something i'm I'm sold on. I, I yeah. don't. I don't trust that they're going to stick to them personally. I think 2025 though for three is probably pretty fair. It gives them three years, and I think from what we've, like you said, what they've gathered is they're going back to fix a few things and change a few things. But it's mostly filmed already. From it's that. all filmed. They're already doing the special effects yes. on them. That's what I mean. So like, I, I trust that one. Like that one's that one. I would believe, and even 2029 yeah. maybe, but 2031. I think uh, only two years between. I don't know about that one. We'll see. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Yeah. I guess time will tell. Time will exactly. tell. But it's ridiculous to look at this and think like, oh, yeah, you know, 
That's where I'll be in 2031. At the movies watching Avatar. At the movie. <laughs> watching the conclusion of the Avatar saga. Uh, oh, it's going to be interesting. Like yeah. 22, 23 years after it originally came out. 22 years actually after it initially came out. Crazy. For sure. Um, was there anything else you wanted to bring up uh, in the news or anything else about the things we've talked about? Uh, nothing off the top of my head. Uh, no, I think I'm pretty good. Okay, awesome. So now I'm going to uh, do a quick review on uh, Never Have I Ever uh, Season 4, which has just concluded its uh, run. Uh, as you know, every show I'm watching is ending this year. So Yeah, I know it's crazy. <laughs> so, um, Never Have I... You, first of all, I guess for uh, a little bit of context, you've never seen this show, right? No, I feel like every show that you talk about, I've never watched. And that's just like the worst <laughs> part about it. But you know what? I'm learning, so that's fine. It's expanding my knowledge because, no, but like before these types of reviews, I never knew what these shows were about. But once I get the reviews, I'm kind of like an expert. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> there you go. So never have I ever uh, has come to a conclusion after four seasons. Um, bit of background, I guess, on this show. So this show begins uh, season one uh, with our uh, lead character, uh, whose name is Davy Vishwakumar. Um, who is a 15-year-old Indian girl in a high school who just spent uh, the summer uh, paralyzed uh, in a wheelchair. So she lost uh, the ability to walk uh, after, unfortunately, uh, watching her dad die of a heart attack uh, in front of her during her musical concert the year prior. Um, so obviously starts off on a very somber note. Um, no she plays uh, the harp. Um so she is obviously very traumatized by this event and uh, in really not a great place mentally. Um, and the show kind of starts with uh, Davy uh, regaining her ability to walk and going back to school for her sophomore year of uh, high school. Um, so she's kind of intent on uh, ditching her old nerd label and trying to become uh, a cool girl, we'll say. Um, so she's straight up one one of the most like she she is so bold, Stephen. <laughs> she straight up asks a guy whose name is Paxton. He's one of the jocks at her school uh, yep. to like to have sex. Like straight up walks up to him like <laughs> let's have sex. <laughs> it doesn't happen, but they do end up uh, kind of dating. She's like she wasn't comfortable enough to actually do it. I guess she didn't really realize the. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> what it meant is going straight up to someone and saying hey do you want to have sex oh my god um, <laughs> and throughout the fir that first season we kind of see as well glimpses of a crush or a sort of a thing between uh, her and her frenemy ben um who they've had a feud and been essentially in competition uh for being at the top of the class for years um and that is our love triangle for the four seasons essentially between those uh, three characters um now ben and davy are in the same year and paxton is a year older okay so <clears throat> i'm gonna skip the, the the middle two seasons and jump straight into season four because that is what i'm reviewing um uh so season four kind of begins with the ramifications of the season three finale uh, so Davy in the season three finale decided she wanted to lose her virginity to Ben. And so that's what they did. And the season starts with them awkwardly uh, in, in bed. <laughs> and essentially through a miscommunication, uh, they end up like ghosting each other for the whole summer. So very, oh. very teenage, awkward. No kidding. Phase, right. Um, uh, things pick back up with Davy's uh, senior year. Um, she is dying to get into Princeton, which is a dream that her and her dad had together while growing up. And obviously, since her dad passed away in her freshman year of high school, so she's obviously fixated on trying to get in there. Uh, Paxton is kind of dealing with like an identity crisis. Uh, he's now in college and he essentially finds himself being a misfit. Um, so he makes the decision to drop out of college and kind of come back to the high school and uh, decides to become a like aide with the swim team. He was on the swim team when he was in high school. So uh, he decides he's going to kind of come back, help out with his coach, and then try to see what he wants to do later on. Um, so he ends up 
kind of finding himself through the year um, and decides he really kind of likes helping people, you know, helping kids. And so he decides he wants to go to teacher's college at the end of the year. And so he kind of found himself there. Uh, Fabiola and Eleanor, who are Davy's uh, best friends, are all kind of going through uh, some sort of crisis trying to decide what to do with their future. Uh, Eleanor is uh, following in her mother's footsteps and wants to become an actress. And Fabiola is really kind of into like physics and robotics and that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, she gets accepted into like a bunch of really good colleges. And uh, she, but she's really kind of struggling deciding which one to select and which one to go to. Um, ben, on the other hand, is kind of having a hard time with the fact that he is truly kind of falling for Davy. Um, obviously, through that miscommunication they had last summer, they didn't really talk for the whole summer. Um, but throughout the year, you kind of see him struggling with that. And um, he doesn't really know how to communicate it with her. Fucking teenagers, man, in communication. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously, as I mentioned, Davy, who's been dreaming of uh, going to Princeton her whole life, uh, gets waitlisted for most of the year. And um, being the cocky student she is, um, decided to only apply to Ivy schools and no backup schools. And so um, she gets rejected from every school. Ivy League school, except for Princeton, where she gets waitlisted and essentially sewered her <laughs> her future if she doesn't get into Princeton. <laughs> um, I feel like that's extremely relatable because that's kind of something um, I did <laughs> in high school. Oh, um, oh, no. I, I kind of screwed myself uh, when I applied to colleges and stuff like that. And so uh, I, I found that very relatable and... Uh, <laughs> that would hit a little close to home <laughs> um so yeah uh so she has to deal with everything uh with all that uncertainty and the season goes from there and we see our cast of characters uh where they find themselves you know they stick together uh, they're always kind of there for each other and uh we kind of see where they move uh into their respective futures so that was all pretty good and uh, i thought uh, it was pretty well done I think some some things I really like about this show um, is obviously the dynamic between the uh, the friends and the different relationships that are done really well. Um, Davy, who is obviously in in Indian and has uh, uh, an Indian family, uh, so the the Indian kind of cultural moments and different family dynamics are like really well done. Um, if I'm not mistaken, like Mindy Calling is the kind of creator of the show um, and. Uh, I believe some of this show is kind of partially based off uh, her real upbringing as well. So oh, well. Um, I'm sure that, you know, they're probably Hollywood, Hollywoodified a lot of the stuff that happened, but still uh, like, I'm sure the rough draft and like the, the basic stuff of the story was probably about, you know, her actual story. No, for sure. For sure. And uh, you know, Minnie Calling is obviously a very, very uh, big and uh, important creative in the world. So uh really well done um another highlight for me was the the mother-daughter relationship between Davy and her mother um so I thought that was really incredible and the journey that they they take after obviously the loss of uh, Davy's father um and uh the mom's husband is obviously astounding um a lot of really heartfelt moments um so like D Davy's dad was kind of more of the like the softer parent we'll say um, and the mom is kind of more hard on her. And so uh, there's a lot of like really great heartfelt moments, a lot of really great scenes to, between the mom and, uh, and uh, Davey. So really well done. Um, a lot of really good moments too, where they kind of show either a scene with like younger Davey and her father or present Davey, who is kind of talking to her deceased father, who's like sitting in the, on the bed or, you know, kind of talking her through things as she's going through it. So. Uh, I thought that was really well done. Uh, another thing I enjoyed uh, for this show was uh, there's a narrator for each episode. So uh, I'm not sure how much you know about professional tennis, but John McEnroe, the professional tennis player, um, narrates essentially all Davy-centric episodes, which is essentially like 98% of the show. Um, so the, the backstory there is uh, Davy and her dad used to watch tennis growing up. And John McEnroe was one of their favorite players to watch. 
And so it's pretty cool that they have the actual John McEnroe kind of narrating the show. So that's pretty yeah, cool. That's super- um, Gigi Hadid, who is a model, I think. I could be wrong. But uh, she kind of narrates the... Uh, the uh, Yeah, she's a model. So she narrates the Paxton-centric episodes, and uh, which I think there's been like two over the seasons. Um, and Andy Samberg narrates the uh, Ben-centric episodes. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so the way they really kind of blend that in and like they do a really good job of that. So I thought that was uh, very, very interesting. And I quite enjoyed that. Uh, lastly, the real reason this show is so successful, in my opinion, is the portrayal of Davey uh, by uh, Matriyi Ramakrishnan. Um, Davey throughout the four seasons is very self-centered, selfish, makes a lot of really bad decisions. Um, and the way Matrey kind of plays her with such a charm and charisma and like the fact that she makes her likable and you really cheer for her to like figure stuff out through the seasons is really important because without that, it would be really hard to watch the show with the lead that does such like such a large amount of unlikable things. <laughs> um, so enjoyed the season. Um I liked where the show ended. Um, I thought it was a pretty decent conclusion and uh, uh, wrapped up the storylines pretty well. Uh, excited to see what the actors and creatives do next. And uh, if you're into this type of show, I'd recommend it. It's, uh, it's I, I feel like it was enjoyable and uh, well done. Yeah, it almost sounds like it would be like nostalgic for people like us who have graduated high school already and kind of like are in their adult years, like almost like remembering what it was like to be, you know, in that awkward phase. And, you know, like you said earlier, with like difficulty with communication and stuff like that, like almost bringing you back to when you were younger. Yeah, like the like you watch the show and you're just banging your head at like <laughs> some of the decisions that get made. Um, it's like it's like any show when you watch a teenager do something or a, a kid do something. You're like, why the hell would you do that? But you're like, I was a kid at some point and I did stupid shit too. Like, so no, absolutely, yeah, yeah, all uh, yeah, all relatable stuff, and uh, you know, the kids will figure it out at some point, right? And there wouldn't be drama without bad decisions. So. Never. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else you wanted to bring up there? No, I think I'm good to go. Okay. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we return, we will be back with our review for Transformers Rise of the Beasts. And we are back with our review of Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Now, before we get going here, Stephen, what do you want to tell our listeners? Go see Transformers Rise of the Beast if you like your Transformers. <laughs> it's that simple. It's a good Transformers movie. Yes, agreed. So let me I... just read the synopsis here, I guess. Yeah. Um, so Optimus Prime and the Autobots take on their biggest challenge yet when a new threat capable of destroying the entire planet emerges. They must team up with a powerful fraction of Transformers known as the Maximals to save earth that's what, that's what happens in the movie that's what happens <laughs> so obviously uh spoiler warning um for uh transformers rise of the beasts uh, as steven just said uh go watch it it's it's a good time it's a like, good popcorn movie it's a lot of fun um some decent humor here or there and uh some good action so go see it and then come back and listen to our review if you haven't seen it um so this movie kind of we kind of start off on the I'm not even I'm not even sure what fucking planet that was but uh, it's an alternate reality or an alternate galaxy they never named the planet but my yeah, okay. mindset was just this is Maximal's home planet kind of thing is all yeah. I was kind of gauging from it okay uh, so so Unicron and his uh, lieutenants are <laughs> are after a key that uh, holds the power to time travel. Or to travel different dimensions and stuff like that more easily. So Unicron obviously wants that because he's he enjoys eating planets and he'd like to eat <laughs> as many planets as possible while yep. being as lazy as possible. Um, so the Maximals kind of hold that key. Um, and uh, one of the Maximals kind of uh, does a sacrifice play uh, for the other Maximals, uh, the last standing Maximals, we'll say, um, to get away with the key and kind of go into hiding now where do they go into hiding it's always earth 
They're always and, hiding uh, on Earth. Earth is the center of the galaxy and the universe. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the, this movie then introduces kind of our two human uh, leads. Uh, so we have uh, Noah Diaz, played by Anthony Ramos, uh, who has a little brother who is uh, sick and in need of uh, medical treatments, but uh, they obviously... Uh, their family can't afford it and so the brother kind of hides it so that you know they don't have to overdo it on treatments and stuff like that um and uh elena played by dominic fishback um who is kind of i think she was like an intern or something at the museum um from what i gather but like she obviously knew way more about anything than anybody else um, and she gets introduced to a new artifact, which looks like one of the Maximals with an Autobots uh, symbol on the front of it. Um, she does a bit of research, uh, kind of looks through it and accidentally kind of triggers uh, what we find out later on to be half uh, the portal key that was hidden on Earth uh, way back when by the Maximals, um, sets off a signal uh, in the meantime Noah is off doing uh, a kind of a, a hijacking of a vehicle uh, to get some secondary money to be able to pay for his brother's treatment. Uh, kind of gets trapped uh, within our newly introduced Autobot uh, Mirage, played by the awesome Pete Davidson. Um, I thought that was really a highlight of this movie. So we kind of uh, get into that. Uh, obviously, Elena setting off the signal kind of uh, sets off a chase for the key. Uh, now the uh, Unicron's lieutenants kind of know where it is in the galaxy because of that signal going off. And uh, Optimus Prime and the Autobots also find out that, holy shit, there's an old artifact on Earth. What are the odds it would be on Earth, the exact place <laughs> where we were hiding? You know what I mean? I know. It's, it's absolutely wild. One thing I did love about this section of the film we're talking about right now is there was a big, like, 20 to 30-minute section here, it almost felt like, where we didn't see any Transformers at all. It was just us getting to know our human characters and getting to know their circumstances. And I, I think it actually helped uh, enhance them uh, at the end of the movie. Like, I walked out of the theater more satisfied with them because yeah. I felt like I knew them better. Uh, and, like... I think they were both really good, but I, I particularly really, really liked the way they portrayed Noah early in this movie. Mm. You know, the man of the house and, you know, it, and he had to do this, you know, illegal carjacking to pay basically for his brother's medication and, and treatment. So I thought that was a really charming way to kind of showcase this guy and, and who he is. And there was a lot of very human like struggles there, you know, like a lot of responsibility on his shoulders as he's becoming older. He's a former military. He can't get a job. Uh, you know, it, I just thought that was really well done. And then for Elena, I uh, I wish they would have chose a different profession for her because they kind of just did that antiquities type story in the last night. Yeah. But I actually thought they did it better in this movie. So, I you know, I felt like she was more, you know, relatable, a little bit more realistic in the, in the sense of her just maybe just, yeah, she's an intern and maybe she's passionate about, you know, antiquities and, and you know, and history. So maybe that's why she's trying to get in there. And uh, yeah, I, I just liked the early concept of like almost no Transformers here, just so we could really get into these characters. And then later on in the movie, I felt like it, they did the opposite. It felt like we were really getting to know these Transformers where the humans weren't taking as much screen time because we already got their story kind of pushed more in the front. For sure. And like both really relatable characters too. Like like everyone's been Elena where like you feel underappreciated by your boss um, you're not getting the opportunity you think you deserve. Um, and like she obviously knew way more than her boss. Uh, and that's the way they kind of portrayed it in this film. But like she was really kind of it kind of felt like she was going nowhere and she was just spinning her wheels. Um, and for Noah, obviously, the struggle of um, he obviously really cares about his brother. And you see, like in the in the one interview or whatever that he does, like, I guess the interview got canceled. And so he's kind of talking to the guy on the side, but he's like, he's like, I called your one source, you know, you're not reliable and you're never there. And th that obviously has to do with the fact that he's literally always taking care of his brother and doing a double duty there where he's like super busy taking care of his little brother, either, you know, bringing him to treatments, bringing him to school, doing all that stuff, uh, helping out the house, you know, cause obviously they're, 
well, I don't know, they didn't really explain where their dad is, but he's obviously not there. Um, so obviously something that's very uh, relatable there as well. So yeah, for sure, it was just a really good section of film, and uh, it, it it was nice to go from that to basically, like you said, Elena kind of kickstarts the main story here, uh, like right, like, and it just kicks into high drive, and it doesn't really stop till the end at that point. Exactly. So um, at that point, uh, you know, uh, Mirage takes Noah for a ride to the uh, meeting spot of the Autobots. Um, Mirage somehow convinces Optimus Prime, who is very weary of, uh, of trusting any humans at this point, um, to ha- get Noah to help uh, go get the, uh, the key, because obviously the Autobots are way too big to, um, you know, walk into a building and grab anything. Um, so um, they kind of go there, and then at that point, they get attacked by the lieutenants of the Unicron, uh, and they lose half the key. Um, and uh, as uh, Optimus is trying to blame the humans and Mirage and uh, for, you know, trusting him, um, we get the entrance of, and I forgot her name, but uh, the uh, Maximal played by uh, Michelle Yeoh. Um, uh, yeah, Air Razor was her name. Yeah, Air Razor, yeah. Um, so uh, get kind of that introduction and that, um, or reintroduction, I should say, and uh, the kind of connection of the two sides. Um, she kind of explains that it's only half the key and that the uh, through some hier- hieroglyphics or something like that, they kind of find out the, that the, uh, uh, I guess through Elena's research, that the, the second half of the key is in Peru, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it was Peru. Yeah, okay. So somewhere in Peru. So they take an old Autobot plane, uh, very rustic, um, well-maintained plane, I'll say, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to uh, to Peru. And uh, at that point, now get me if I'm wrong. No, okay, no, they don't meet the Maximals yet, right? Not right away. They uh, no. they bl- they blend in at the parade. That's true. They okay, yeah, to the crypt or the tomb or whatever, and then that yeah. that eventually leads them to Primal. That's true. Okay, yeah. So so Elena and Noah kind of sneak through the city. There's a big festival going on in Peru somewhere. Um, they so they go through this tunnel and then they find the location of where the artifact should be. Um, and then at that point they see the kind of two signal sim- symbols there. Elena writes them down. Um, obviously the uh, the artifact has been taken. Uh, and so and at that point they get attacked by some of those uh, spider unicron things. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they never really explained what they were. They were kind of like they were just drones. Oh, literally, literally. they were just like uh, they were mind, mind, mindless little uh, attack drones. Yeah, um, and so they got chased out of the cavern. Um, they were able to obviously uh, take care of them, and then that's where we get the introduction uh, of Optimus M- Maximal, uh, Optimus Primal, Cheetor, Primal. Three. Yes. Uh, great introduction to like right away like comparing them to the humans it was just so nice to actually see the scale of them For like sure. earlier in the movie uh they you could see scale but the thing that was interesting about the this movie compared to like the bay movies uh the scale's not as big for some of them like mirage is not that much bigger than a human like he is no. but like he could fist bump uh noah and it didn't look like holy shit he's ginormous it was more like he's just quite tall but and like bumblebee's up, really not that big either right no and it, it, it makes sense they're cars like they shouldn't yeah. be that big. and then optimus prime is significantly bigger because he's a transport truck but then it's like you looked at optimus primal in his ape uh form and he was like towering them so you could definitely see the scale <laughs> on the maximals here yeah no for sure um, and obviously a very cool uh, interaction uh, between uh, the Autobots and obviously the Primals. So um, that was pretty cool. Uh, so we we get obviously the, uh, I guess we find out that uh, Optimus, you just told me, Primal, right? Primal, yeah. <laughs> yeah Optimus Primal um, has entrusted the second half of the key to the humans in the village that they are kind of protecting. Um, so that's obviously eye-opening for Optimus Prime at that point. Um, and kind of a little bit important uh, part of his like uh, his journey here, right? So, um, so yeah, so they obviously have the other half, um, and the uh, lieutenants have uh, the the other half. Um, at that point, they get kind of attacked, and uh, Air Razor gets kind of corrupted by one of the uh, one of the lieutenants. 
um, and overnight kind of uh, takes a turn and uh, steals the other half of the uh, the key and uh, kind of betray. Well, it's not really a betrayal because she she's literally was, taken over. It, well, yeah, it's not like she turned on them. Like it was yeah. not of her choice. Uh, she basically was poisoned i guess is maybe a way of looking at it like she was like turning yeah. into rust some almost. sort of corruption of some kind it was yeah. really cool looking and uh it, like it wasn't a twist like it's not like we were sitting there like oh my god she was a bad guy like no she 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 basically got like you said corrupted so yeah it, it was a cool little thing though and it, it had a really nice visual touch to it it looked almost like like i said like rusty and like she was almost like leaking oil it was very interesting looking no for sure um so at that point uh the lieutenants have both uh, halves of the key and can now open the portal for uh, Unicron um, to I guess come through and uh, uh, have access to that key um, and so this is kind of the final stand um, and the final battle of the movie uh, so the primals and the uh, Autobots kind of uh, gang up together um, to take on the lieutenants as well as all their fucking uh, all their little uh, bot minions uh, attack bots. Um, <laughs> so yeah, a lot of really cool action sequences here. Um, um, I, I I didn't really mention it at, at the beginning, but uh, there's kind of a fake out with uh, <laughs> with Bumblebee, which I kind of struggled. I struggled with it. I I didn't really like that part of the movie, especially considering they showed the the moment he comes back in the trailer. Like yeah, I I, I actually think that's, stupid. that's one of the worst parts of the movie for me. There was no stakes there at all. I, I didn't feel a thing. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't one of those situations where it's like, oh, no, like, maybe that was a fake scene in the trailer or whatever. No, in my head, I was, I was like, that's still coming. I've seen yeah. multiple scenes. And what's even funnier is at that point in the movie, his, com- like, I know this is kind of a small detail. He was a regular Camaro. He dies. Yeah. The first, like, three months of production, they showed off his off-road Camaro mode. He didn't yeah. get that till the end of the movie. So... I knew for a fact he was coming back, even if it was a fake. I was always like, this is no weight to it at all. Waste of time. Like, it, it was just stupid. I would have rather just kept him alive mm-hmm. the whole time. I, I, it didn't, like, it, it led to a really cool scene. Like, uh, the scene where he jumps out of stratosphere and ends up just, like, going ham was really cool. They could have done it without him dying, though. So, it's, yeah. eh. I it could have been, been him injured. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Anything. Like, like, yeah, I could lost an arm or something. I, I, yeah. I like how they brought him back, though, using Energon. Yeah. Uh, which which is a cool little touch. They don't really do much of the Energon stuff in the Bay universe. They're, you know, get the Matrix of Leadership and stab it in his chest. And it's like, okay, well, sure. But yeah. like Energon deposits is like a cl- more classic style for Transformers. So, And that uh, seems like, to be like an Energon heavy uh, valley, right? Like it was, a, there's, yeah. there's a heavy deposit over there in Peru. Uh, they didn't explain why. They might have. It might have been a quick something I didn't notice. But yeah, it was. It seemed like there was a lot of energon on Earth in that area. So, you know, kind of cool. Exactly. Um, so yeah, at this point, the plan is essentially uh, for Elena to uh, decode uh, the password to uh, the portal. Um, so she has the hieroglyphics to uh, to be able to try to figure that out. Um, and so the plan is for her and Noah to go to the uh, the computer and try to shut down the portal that is attempting to bring Unicron to Earth. Um, and, uh, yeah, as I mentioned before, like, I thought the action was, like, so well done in this scene. Um, lots of really cool action sequences and, like, different uh, one-shot takes, uh, you know, the, the cutting between different robots kind of fighting uh, and taking their turns. Um and at which point there's a really cool scene where uh, Mirage and and Noah I think are taken on. Uh, I I don't know the the each of the lieutenant names to uh, be Scourge honest with you. Was the one? It was the the main villain basically. Scourge was the one. Okay, I Scourge. Right yeah, in. yeah. So uh, obviously um, Mirage kind of dies at that point, uh, quote unquote. Yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, gives way for a bodysuit and for Noah to kind of jump into that bodysuit, uh, which I guess is an a re- reincarnation of Mirage. That's kind of the way they played it off to me. Yeah. It looked just like an exosuit kind of thing. Like he, Mirage yeah. wasn't talking to him anymore or anything. So I, in my mind, in that scene, Mirage actually did die. Okay, 
and I actually felt that was a little more of a heavy death, like compared to the Bumblebee one. I was like, I actually thought he was dead. I was like, uh, yeah, I guess he's. Dead. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so they've so never was- done this in any of the Transformers movies. So I thought like that was really, really cool and uh, very well done. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. Look, it looked cool too. Like the CGI on that actually didn't look as stupid as I in my head. If you would have told me one of the Transformers becomes a suit for the human, I would have been like, "That's gonna look ridiculous." It didn't. <laughs> it looked quite cool. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so there's another really cool scene of Optimus, uh, Noah in the uh, suit, and uh, Bumblebee kind of comes back at that point, and they're all kind of fighting fighting Scourge on the bridge, um, as Elena is trying to uh, decode the. Uh, the passcode we'll say um, to uh, stop the uh, portal. Um, so another bunch of really cool scenes there. And um, Elena is essentially successful in stopping it. But at that point, um, the portal gets kind of blown up. Someone kind of blows it up and yeah, it gets, uh, it's essentially a big, a big sucking tube. Yeah, it was very interesting. <laughs> sucking everything into the uh, into the portal um, until it like shuts down, and it's almost like a black hole. Yeah, uh, Optimus tells everyone to run, kind of that he'll kind of hold it off, um, and Noah saves him. So that's pretty cool. And then Mirage kind of saves them, right? Mirage kind of comes back at that point. I uh, know it was Optimus, Did I get, Optimus it was... Primal saved them at that point. Oh no, it's Primal. That's right. Yeah. My bad. Mirage um, doesn't come back until uh, the post first post credit scene. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah, they've essentially saved the Earth, um, and uh, that's that. Uh, we get a nice little touching moment between Elena and Noah. Uh, they're obviously, uh, I think, being primed to. They'll probably be the leads. I'm assuming in the next film as well. Ah, um, uh, maybe. Uh, I'll get into why I think it's a maybe uh, when we get to the actual final sequence of the film. Uh, you'll understand more when I when I bring it up. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Um, so so yeah. Um, obviously, uh, everything gets saved. Um, Unicron is kind of, I think the key is blown up at this point, right? Yeah, I I thought so, but Unicron definitely didn't die. No, yeah. So Unicron is still alive, but he's not. Uh, he's not, he's not at Earth. Earth anymore. No, or you know, he'll he didn't. Back. He didn't get to Earth. So yeah, he'll be back. So yeah, he'll be back. Um, his lieutenants are all gone. Um, yeah, they, they killed the Terracons in this. All three of them died. Yeah. So yeah. we're so, not going to see them again, probably. So Decepticons are probably going to be in the next one. Is yes. the way I'm looking at it. Or Predacons, maybe. Predacons is the the Beast Wars Decepticons, basically. Oh. So like, yeah. So but they okay. but they are very similar. Like they have a Megatron too and stuff like that. So I think that's another option if they want to continue with the Beast Wars stuff. Yeah. Okay. So we cut to we cut to kind of the end now and uh, Noah gets a job interview. Um, and who is it, but the uh, incomparable Michael Kelly um, interviewing him. Um, and uh, he is offered a job into the GI Joe. Yeah, that was like, I audibly gasped. I don't know if you heard me. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I literally, like, I literally was like, "Gee, yeah, Joe!" Like, like, so shocked. I looked at you too. I was like, "What?" Yeah, I, I was, know. I was. I think you, you told me this right after, but I, I was so expecting it to be Sector Seven. Oh, I totally thought it was Sector Seven. I was like, "This is gonna be Sector Seven. They're gonna kind of almost tease, like they're kind of going the Bay route a little." No, this is like this is Hasbro showing their ass. They're like, "Yeah, we own GI Joe too. Let's just make them one franchise." <laughs> so, I, I thought that was really, really, really cool. I actually had to go home and Google it because I was like, I want to know how they plan on doing this. And that's why when you mentioned Elena and Noah being the main characters in the next movie, I think that it's very dependent on what they plan on doing with the G.I. Joe. Uh, I've I've heard that they want to market it. So their human characters are G.I. Joe characters so they could sell more toys. Because, you know, like people weren't buying Cade, Jaeger and Samwit Wiki action figures, but they would buy Duke and Snake Eyes action figures is kind of the way they're looking at it. Okay. So I'm not sure if they will bring back those characters. I, I think they will bring back Noah uh, just because it seems like he was, in, you know, obviously invited to be a Joe. So mm-hmm. that's an option. I don't know about Elena, though, uh, in that scenario, because if they do want to go the G.I. Joe route, it does limit them a little. But I would like them back. So, you know, I'm just going to go ahead right now and just kind of say I have no idea because I don't okay. know. But that's yeah. John Cena, too, from the first film, I think he is, like, prime candidate to come back. Yeah, the only thing is, it's like, it, it's a 
it's like 10 years difference, right? So it's like you have to age him up or whatever. He, he looks old. Maybe, maybe, maybe John Cena, you know, started the G.I. Joe because of the I events the- of Bumblebee. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, I love this ending, though. Like, I was so satisfied. Like, I walked out of the theater and I was like buzzing a little bit, thinking about the possibility of, you know, mixing these two franchises. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so any uh, general thoughts on the movie? Like, I know we, we've kind of talked about it kind of throughout, but uh, what were your overall thoughts on the film? It was great. I I, I, th- I say I say great, even though I'd probably put this as my third or fourth favorite Transformers movie, but that's still, like, I'm, I'm a Transformers, like, fanboy. So, like, okay. for me, like, I, I like all of them, but like I'd say about three or three or four in my in my my listing of the I think there's eight of them now, uh, or seven, seven. Yeah, this is the seventh one. So it's you know third or fourth is pretty good. Uh, I loved the villains in this movie. Scourge was voiced by Peter Dinklage, and I thought he was scary and so badass. Like they had fight scenes with, against him where like Optimus, Mirage, RC, all of them. Not they, they didn't even damage him. Like he was just beating the fuck out of them. And I, I, <laughs> I love when they do villains like that, where it's like they're untouchable, and it just feels they they feel like an obstacle. And I, I thought he really did feel like an obstacle. Uh, but the actual highlight in this movie for me is actually Optimus Prime's story because I feel like this is like the first time where he actually feels like he starts the movie off and he needs to develop. He needs growth. Yeah, like he wasn't really the optimists were used to in the movies right he wasn't sympathetic as much toward the humans like he wanted to go home that was the whole point like i i want to get the key so i could go home and near the end of the movie you could definitely see like you see more of the traditional bay optimist in the sense where he's like you know what like i got to protect the humans and you know we got to protect each other and you know it's 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 about you know i i don't want to say like justice but you know what i mean like just yeah, yeah. such a good guy and great leader and i love that he started this movie and you almost felt like he was naive a little and it ended where you're like, wow, okay, well, that's Optimus. And he's being Optimus. And uh, I love the development of the movie because you, we usually don't see that kind of stuff for that character. No, for sure. I, I really liked his arc in this film. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, it was cool to see, I get, like you're saying, like a different side of it because uh, he's obviously very trusting of uh, Sam when, oh, right, when right. we see him in the, th- in the the three kind of the beginning of the trilogy. Um, and Maybe less so towards Cade, but but eventually gets there, right? So yeah, but it's like he was already established as a character then, so it, like it didn't feel like it was part of a journey for him at that point. Oh, for sure, for sure. But this felt like he almost felt young, like you know what I mean, like 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 he he need he was a young leader and he he needed to get to where he needed to be. And same could be said for like a lot of the characters in this movie. I think they all had really good character development. I really liked the way things went with Noah, yep. where he he kind of chose to go with them like he wasn't forced or anything he was like i'm going like i need to help save this planet and it was like it was just such a cool heroic moment for a guy going through so much like he's you know not everybody would have the like the strength and the inner strength to be like you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna go yeah like, actually i'm gonna sit this one out this yeah one you out. know what guys you got this i'm not a transformer i'm a human yeah. I'm gonna go. good, good luck guys <laughs> um and the action in this movie is absolutely stellar like this is perfect popcorn fun and it's not outrageous like the bay stuff where it's like almost too much it it actually kind of felt like classic transformers action just simple uh you know popcorn stuff and the visuals look great so it it also didn't take me out very much where it was like they looked kind of like they were actually there like they didn't look like cgi that much I, i really really thought it was great and I think this is a really good continuation of what they started with Bumblebee. I think this this new Transformers timeline, it's more traditional. Like It feels more like the cartoons. It, it feels more like the source material. It doesn't feel like you know the director's putting too much of himself into it. It feels like he's respecting the source material. And that's one thing I did like about this director. And that's why I'm glad he is being talks to come for the next one. He's, he's clearly a Transformers fan uh, through and through. And he, there was a lot of even just hints and and... and stuff he's they said in the movie where i was like yeah he he knows his transformers like they mentioned primus like this is a concept that we never talked about but primus is cybertron basically transforming into a giant robot kind of like unicron oh, okay the good version of him so you know they mentioned all these cool stuff and uh i think the sequels have so much there's so much meat on the bone for the sequels that i think they've set themselves up for a successful run here that's good that's good yeah um for me i'm i'm not sure I think I would still rank Bumblebee ahead of this one, to be honest with you. That's fair. Um, but 
like it's not like you know it's not like you know bumblebee's a nine and this is a two <laughs> you, know, you know what i mean like yeah, sure. yeah so so yeah i feel like i there was maybe a little bit more of a personal story there with uh, Haley steinfeld's uh charlie um so uh it I was smaller of, scale right so you yeah. you got more personal with these characters and there wasn't as many uh transformers right so it was very personal with bumblebee exactly um so so yeah um what about the uh what are your thoughts on the maximals i liked them a lot um what i uh, they didn't have enough screen time in general, they gave Air Razor and, and Primal the screen time. I feel like Cheetor and Rhinox didn't do much. Like Rhinox didn't even say a word. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> like I'm I'm desperate for them to do more Beast Wars in the next one. Uh, because they also left out like like a few of the other Maximals I really like, uh, like Tigatron and Rat Trap. So I wouldn't mind if they did that again. But I could see why they would maybe want to move away from the Beast Wars stuff, maybe let them be in the background and maybe do Decepticons again. Like, cause we haven't seen Megatron or Starscream in, in this universe yet. Even in Bumblebee, we didn't see Megatron or Starscream at the beginning of the movie. We saw like Soundwave and, and so, some of the other Seekers and Blitzwing and stuff like that. But we didn't see those, the classic uh, Decepticon leader. So uh, I think he, he he's coming soon and they'll probably end up making him work with Unicron at some point. I would yeah, assume. And, and it might be cool actually too, to like, to even leave him out of the next movie and like hold them off for like the fourth yeah. one in the series like, them. That. like they go, go for different villains that we haven't seen before like that's that's a cool thing you know what i mean maybe tease them at the end of the next movie and then you know megatron is the big bad of the fourth film <laughs> i would i would i honestly would love that i think and it, it was so nice to see the terracons and scourge in this movie i thought it was such a unique thing it was kind of like an age of extinction with lockdown i always thought that was such a cool villain not not a decepticon not your typical villain different code uh, i just think that's interesting I also, like for Scourge, I loved the trophy thing where he would kill somebody and take their insignia and weld it onto his body. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. Like, it's such a unique take. Giving, you know, evil-looking Transformers have been around since 2007 in these movies, right? It's cool to give them unique personalities and unique touches. So I, I thought that was great. For sure, for sure. Now, uh, where do you think they go with the next movie? We talked a little bit about the G.I. Joe stuff, about yeah. Unicron still being out there. Uh, what do you think? It's so tough because of the G.I. Joe stuff. That's where, like, I'm a, I am a very, 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 I would say moderate G.I. Joe fan. I have such a limited knowledge of the Joes. So for me, it's like, I'm no more about Transformers. So if they're going to mix them, it's going to have to be a mix of both of okay. their stories so i can't really like i'm assuming unicron's still going to be the big big bad mm -hmm. you're not you're not going to introduce the planet eater uh you know and not have him <laughs> eventually transform at the least yeah um so you know i wouldn't be shocked if in the next one either he said he sends more people to earth knowing what they have done maybe there'll be another artifact because there's always an artifact right absolutely earth, earth is the hub of transformers in re being in refuge and also of artifacts being lost so oh, absolutely I'm just, just, just. Let's look at that meme of the guy with his like, with looking around with the puffy hair and saying "ancient aliens." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's yes. So I wouldn't be shocked if he sends either the Predacons or the Decepticons to Earth to try and retrieve something or or anything of the sort. So yeah, like I think that's a very big potential. Uh, I honestly couldn't tell you though. I, even predicting this movie, I had a hard time predicting where they were going to go with everything just because it was such a fine blend between the original Transformers and Beast Wars that it, it's difficult to really gauge the mix there. Is there anything you would want them to do? Yeah, I think staying away from the Decepticons might be a good idea. Like you're you're saying the pre the Predacons? Yeah, the yeah, so, 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 yeah, so it might be it might be a good idea for them to especially because they just introduced the Maximals um for like i feel like it would make sense for like unicron to team up with uh those guys to uh and send them to earth uh I would love that. and then obviously as you're saying there's probably going to be some sort of artifact thing like you know the, the first few transformers were obviously very cool with the conspiracy theories and all that shit and then i love that the yeah. pyramids and then obviously the conspiracy the theory around the moon and all that yeah. shit so I, that. I i've always really liked those storylines I don't think they've always kind of worked well, and there were obviously better ways to kind of mix in those uh, storylines. But, um, but I've always kind of enjoyed when they include those sorts of things into like 
you know, sci-fi films and and fantasy films. So um, I feel like more of that stuff would be really cool. Um, and there's there's so many places you can go with like like the Mayans and shit like that, and uh, you know, ancient civilizations and the Middle East and, and just there's so many places they could go. So maybe the Eternals were were on Earth at some point. And... <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm I don't really. I don't, I'm not as much of a Transformers buff as you. I never really watched the cartoons either or anything. So I'm not very familiar with uh, the names and the different races and all that stuff either. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, obviously there's lots of places they can go with the next one, but uh, uh, I kind of trust uh, the storytellers. Um, I've enjoyed the first two films in this series. So uh, I feel like they can, uh, they could probably successfully put out a third one that uh, makes sense and uh, bring satisfaction to the fans. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Uh, so overall, uh, what would you rate it out of five? I think I gave it a three and a half. Um, it was enjoyable. It's not like anything incredible. Um, I think I would still, as I mentioned, I still have Bumblebee kind of ahead of this one uh, just for uh, kind of storylines and everything like that. Um, there wasn't really anything kind of emotionally impactful in this film. But I think I, <laughs> we've talked about the Bumblebee kind of death fake out like that was kind of pointless to me. So um so yeah i think a three and a half out of five is a fair rating for me enjoyable but uh you know could have been slightly better um and a little bit more cohesive what about yourself uh you know i'm actually yeah i'll do 3.5 as well i initially had it at four but like there's just some things in the movie like just little things like the bumblebee fake out and you know some of the pacing in the middle maybe that kind of slowed it down a little that kind of didn't do it for me but like the last act is like a five out of five. Like I really enjoyed that action sequence. I, I loved how everybody got their moment there. Uh, there was some like some moments where I was just like so satisfied. Like when Optimus Primal told the other Maximals to maximize, I was just as somebody who grew up with Beast Wars, I'm so nostalgic. <laughs> so you know, yeah, three point five out of five is good. Uh, I might change it depending on my next viewing. That's that's the thing, right? After an initial viewing, you kind of got to be a little more lenient with your no, for sure just because it's like it's an initial feeling but no i i liked this movie i recommend if you like any of the transformers movies to go see it absolutely like wholeheartedly it's, it's a transformers movie and that it's not trying not to be so that i, I like that for sure i i am missing the uh, no liquid park at the end of the film so yeah i know that is that is missing just, <laughs> and the, not as many explosions you know it didn't it hurt a little bit you know? lack of for explosion. sure for sure anything else you wanted to bring up there steven no i think we're good all right, so that brings us to the end of this episode of the Movie Multiverse Podcast. Uh, next week, Stephen and I will start our uh, Secret Invasion review and uh, coverage. So uh, we'll start with uh, episode one, which releases this Wednesday. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and have a good week. That'll do it for this episode of the Movie Multiverse Podcast. If you like this episode, feel free to leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. You can also follow us on Twitter at Movie Multipod. You can follow Steven at Your Uncle Steven. And you can follow me at Gab underscore Chartier. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.